Welcome to Sweat the Technique, a show all about how we get better, faster. I'm Ravi Gupta, and this is a special episode because I was talking to this guy named Edward Tien, who created a tool called GPT Zero, and he's such a fascinating kid. He just graduated from Princeton this week or the past few weeks, and you know, a few months ago, he was a senior at Princeton, computer science student, and as GPT ChatGPT was, you know spreading throughout the world, people going crazy for it. You know, we all had our own reaction to it. He had a really unique reaction. He went to a coffee shop and over the course of a few days created a tool called GPT-0, which is one of the most premier AI detection tools. And he did that at 22 years old. And he has a whole lot to say about both the technology of AI detection and GPT detection, the ethics of it, you know, how it's not specific to education, which is why I think this is a really important conversation for this audience that's what the technique, because the whole premise of this podcast is about taking lessons learned from K-12 and applying them elsewhere. And what we usually mean by that is that us as educators and former principals and superintendents, you know, us as hosts have all this knowledge to bring that we can then share for the rest of life, you know, whether it's like your relationships or sports, et cetera. What makes this interesting is, you know, Edwards is saying like, look, there's huge debate going on about AI detection in the university setting, in the college setting, and in the K to 12 setting. But we actually need to be having a wider conversation about law, about business, about journalism and AI detection there. And he gets scientific here and there about like, what does it mean to actually detect AI? But he takes a step back and talks about just how should we even be thinking about what it means to be caught or to disclose AI? So super fascinating conversation. You also break some news uh, about today as this episode's airing, uh, some new tools that are going to be available that he hasn't broken elsewhere. So I think you're going to love this interview. It will tell you a lot about just how to think about AI detection, no matter what your profession is, no matter what your business is. So let's jump right in. All right. Well, Edward Tien, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ravi. So Edward, where am I finding you right now? Are you in college still? Are you no, still there for the semester? I just graduated college. I'm back in uh, back in Toronto, back home. Well, congratulations! You so, from my understanding, you just graduated from Princeton University. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So I want to hear about this. So ChatGPT takes the world by storm in late 2022 of last year, from what I understand. Right? That's roughly when it it was released. Yeah. You have a different reaction than most people. From what I understand, you basically went to a cafe over the New Year holiday break and created a tool called ChatGPT or GPT-0. GPT Is that right? Oh, yes. Uh, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, but tell us about this. So like, before we even say what the tool is and all that, like, what made you even sit down and decide to take on this project? Yeah, totally. Well... I would say way back in December, this was kind of holiday break. The last time I was home in Toronto, and then now it's crazy. It's like full circle, back again, working at the same coffee shop uh, and all of that uh, on the same project now. Uh, but I would say way back in December, things were so different than everything right now. Um, yeah, like it just, ChatGPT was the buzz. Everyone was talking about it, but no one was you know, really building the safeguards at all. I would say it's changed now. Like everyone's hopped on on this, okay, we got to like find and find the AI and everything. 
but no one was really doing anything about that. Um, and I say like over winter break, that's when I was like, okay, maybe I can do something. Um, I was taking this graduate NLP natural language processing course that was exactly looking at uh, kind of the the writing uh, like language between AI and humans. At the same time, um, I was planning on going into journalism. And my thought was like, okay, well, I just took some of the writing classes that were my favorite classes ever. I think there's so much value in us being able to write, learning able to write. And that's that's going to only continue if people can know when something's written by a human and when something's written by an AI. And if no one's going to do anything here and, and sort of try to make this difference really clear, then that barrier is just going to erode away human writing. Mm. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> this sounds like a, this is like a project, you know, worth, worth trying out. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you both had CS background, but in particular, this course helped you identify the patterns of what makes something, you know, human generated or not. And so when you sit down at that point in January, is it true that it only took you three days to write this program? Oh, um, I would say I was like at our coffee shop for three days and I was like coding out the app, but the actual research for detection, I was just already doing for around a semester on um, AI detection with, you know, Princeton's like natural language processing lab and some folks. And Mm -hmm. I was already interested in this space for a little bit. And so you create this tool and how many people started using it right away and and how many people to date have used it? Oh, okay. So that, that was the the crazy moment, I think, because, you know, coding it out, everything was normal. This, this was just, okay, pretty normal. And then I remember when the tweet went viral and it just like kept on going and going, that was crazy. So over uh, 1.2 million people to date have made an account and, on another website. Over 7 million people have tried it, which is pretty insane Uh, in my books, especially, yeah, especially like the first week the app and the website just kept on crashing because too many people were trying it. And then the first months was also pretty insane because I went back to school, but was still getting (laughs) called from. You must have been in high demand on campus, huh? (laughs) Uh, I, I don't know about that. I think I was like pretty pretty just like okay in my dorm room coding taking these calls and uh, it was it was quite it was quite something for the first month when this went viral and so from what i understand there are two variables to help identify whether something's written by ai or a bot right one is perplexity and the other is burstiness uh can you explain what those two things mean yeah absolutely so to um, kind of give a little context, these were two variables. I used it when I was like coding out um, like a, a AI detector in January. Since then, a lot has changed. And we've added around 10 more of these variables uh, as well. Um, and a lot is needed on the research side. And I think there's things we're doing no one else is doing. But for those two variables to start that I started with, uh, burstiness is like variation in human writing. So you can think that a machine is like pretty consistent in its writing over time, um, and it will be versus like humans, we have maybe short-term memory and sudden bursts in our styles and differences in our writing. 
Um, and then perplexity, you can think of it as how familiar is ChatGPT or one of these GPT models itself with this piece of text. It's like almost asking the machine, hey, would you have written this? Um, and if they're like, you know, like this is really perplexing to them, not familiar to them, then it's most likely no. Humans probably wrote this, but if they're like, "Wow, this is exactly what I have would have written," <laughs> as well, <laughs> then the answer is yes. This is probably more likely to be machine written. So those are the two things I started with, and then we've added about like a dozen more uh, like f- variables to to take a look at. And before we get to some of those other variables, so uh, variables, what like burstiness is a good example of where like are students able to game this right? So if I have ChatGPT write something. And could I then just ask it, hey, can you can you be more bursty, right? Can you can you v- vary your sentence length um, more at random, or could you mimic the style of X writer who like you know shows like some level of like sentence length variability or whatever? Yeah, all of these we found, um, and the 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 idea is. You know, students will always find a loophole. Through yeah. <laughs> so there's there's almost loopholes for all of this. I mean, I think what's what's good about uh, GP Zero in particular is um, you have a team that has like a spreadsheet of like all of these loopholes, and there's literally students that had viral TikToks that were just called GPD Zero Bypasser. It was so interesting. <laughs> and then, anyways. For those, we like purposely went in and patched some of those loopholes, so that that loophole of that variation doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so it was it was a little bit of like a, a back and forth, but I would say there's always going to be someone finding some way to go around a certain loophole. Yeah, and how much of this are you building for like completely generated by AI versus edited by AI? Right, like if a student, like I could imagine students who don't who aren't great writers, right? Writing a term paper, like in very rough terms, and then sending it through the AI and saying, edit this for me. Um, Does your tool pick that up or is that less of a concern to you than just like completely from scratch written by AI text? Yeah, this comes a little bit into what students and teachers want and at some point i want to shift this conversation to to be beyond education because i think Mm. the the mission here is is way beyond there's there's you know problems in journalism and democracy and centers saying okay like we're being spammed by gpt like emails as well oh i'm getting a ton of them tons of them yeah in the education sphere i think it comes down to at what um building block are teachers and students okay with it is it is it the entire essay level? I think clearly not. Is it the entire word level? I mean, it doesn't matter if you have like a tool giving you one or two word edits or grammar edits. A lot of you know people are okay with that, and that's great. You know, or like find me a good metaphor or whatever, you know. Exactly. Um, or find me like almost some people use it almost like a thesaurus, right? Exactly. Like help me find another word to describe this thing or another metaphor to describe this thing. And the answer is probably something in between. I mean, at least what we built out is like census level highlighting because a lot of teachers we talked to said, hey, that's what we want. Like, you know, students mm-hmm. are writing entire essays and 
ChatGPT or anything. It's like a mix and match. So we would want to like kind of understand the writing styles. The other thing what we're doing and why this is totally different, GPT-0 is totally different from like something in January, is that we're also building out tools for students now. Uh, mm. which is which is kind of fun on the like the other side of like now you can write and have your like writing history and submit a report to your uh, like you know whoever's the end reader whether it's a teacher whether it's an editor anyone with like this is this was entirely every word written and typed by me. So you you verify, you you get ahead of the issue. You say, all right, I I've run this through GPT zero and it's and it's completely my own. Right. It's like at the generation stage, at the provenance stage, at the root. And if there is some AI, it would highlight that. So the teachers know, uh, mm. or the editors know. And I think the the big consensus nowadays uh, is like, okay, in January, when this first blew up and the week after GPT-0 blew up, New York said, okay, we would ban chat GPT in schools. And then I remember it was like now a popular opinion, but I was like, that does not make sense at all to ban chat GPT. Like it is the, it is the right, future same. of everything. And there was like an article was, that was like GPT-0 kid is against New York chat GPT ban at some point too. And, uh, but I think now it's like a popular opinion, but like in January, it was just like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Then, right. But now like people recognize it's going to be the future. It's going to be a balance, but teachers really need to know when students are writing it. I mean, it's not just in education, it's in every industry now. If you're if you're a lawyer using, you know, ChatGPT to accentuate your documents, like you better highlight that. If you're like uh, you know, writing a critical report and we know, you know, GPT like content, AI content is prone to making up facts information, you better highlight that so someone can, you know, double double check and make sure you're getting the right sources and all, all of that. And so, and what, what are, so those are some of the industries you're concerned about. Like, how do people give us a sense of just tactile experience of a user, right? How do, how do people use your tool? How much text can your tool handle at a time? Uh, what's your sort of confidence level as the text goes through it of like what you detect versus what you could be certain is AI generated? Yeah. Well, okay, here's the experience for a user. Let's say, Robbie, you're about to try this out. Um, uh, and do you, do you use, if you use like Chrome as a browser, by any chance? Um, yeah, well, I tend to default to Safari, but I have Chrome specifically out for, like for instance, right now I'm using Chrome for tools that are specific to Chrome. So I'll use Chrome. Great, for, okay. Well, and I think I have the GP, let me look. I, I think I have the GPT-0 on here. Yes. Yeah, so I have Origin. Yes, that's which is it. Your, you go yeah. to the Chrome store, search up GPT Zero, or it's like we're we're calling it Origin because we want to kind of find the origin of where all this text goes. Let's in. do this now. And is it does it plug into Google Docs? Yes, now it does. The most recent version, probably not available yet. But if you try it tomorrow, because we're we just oh whoa okay, I'm going to do that. Like had a big push where now it's like it's going to plug into Google Docs. And give you like a, a writing report, whether you have some AI content in there or not. Uh, not today, but big push tomorrow, right. and it'll be the same origin plugin that I have here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, you know, I'll I'll ping you 
Uh, I'll ping you. Uh, yeah, ping uh, it to me. I'll run and run my novel through this. Yeah. Because I want to send it to my publisher. So right this now, its origin is just content. You browse on the internet. So you can go to like the BBC website and then like, you know, like um, highlight portion, you know, right click, scan it. And then I'll I'll do like a little bit of analysis. Uh, I mean, I know it doing this live, which 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 is really fun. Um, and this is this is like the kind of the the goal here to have like a general detection model for everybody to use. And we're building out more specific, higher accuracy, like better specific for education models uh, for the actual use cases. But just have like this general layer that's free for everybody when they're kind of browsing the internet. That is kind of the vision here. And from what I remember, the last time I used this, it gives you not like, hey, this is AI. It says, it gives you kind of probability statement, right? Like this yeah. is this is most likely all human generated this. And what are the other sort of statements you'll give? Because I forget. Yeah, there's there's um, most likely all human, most likely all AI. And then there's the partial ones. That's This is a mix of content. It'll say it is a mix or likely a mix. Like how how are you phrasing that? Maybe it is mix. Be likely mix. Haven't checked, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So and, and so part of you know your vision for this is giving people the tools to make their own decisions, right? And we talk about education, but you could say in any industry, whether it's oh, absolutely, it's almost like helping people be transparent with each other, right? If you're a publisher, you want you want a tool for your writers to disclose and for you to find anything written by AI. And the ideal is a healthy relationship where people, and I've seen people like publishing books saying, I wrote this book all AI, or I used AI to write this yeah, book. Totally. And that's like a world where you're not making a value statement on whether that's a good book or not, or whether we should treat that with a certain, you know, deference of create creative deference or not. You're just saying, the disclosure and transparency is key. Absolutely. And like how you handle that, whether you're in whatever industry, you know, we're we're not saying we know we're, we're experts in that industry or how you craft policy will tell you how to do it. It's just we need to give you the data and, and sort of the armor to make these data-driven decisions, um, whether this is, you know, a school board getting you know, entire courses that are all AI content and other courses that are not, whether this is like someone, a government official, or <laughs> whether this is a judge and the lawyers are submitting AI content. Right. People need to know, make their decisions. And there is that AI detection layer, which we want to have like everybody being able to use when they're browsing, but that's not perfect. And there's a lot of work there. There's also a ground truth with the generation layer. So how do you like prove to your editor um, what I wrote is completely human? And that's what I was saying tomorrow. If you you know try Urgen, go to Google Docs or so, you can do that. Where like you can you know click a button um, on top of Google Docs, run a report, and it says, okay, wow, okay, this is um, you know all like human content that you type and wrote out versus maybe this is like a mixed piece of content and you can give that to an editor or, or someone. That's great. Now, are you doing all this by yourself or do you have a team now? No, I have a, a team now. They're they're all friends. So the first person that joined me, who's 
and my co-founder is a guy I went to high school with, um, and he's like brilliant. He he was doing his PhD in AI studies and, and dropped out uh, for this, which is the moment where like, okay, actually we gotta we gotta we're we're really doing this. I think that was the moment. And then we have a team of uh, three engineers in Uganda, and I had spent some time in the region, and uh, I previously was reporting for BBC Africa made some documentaries that have gotten great, just like awesome guys. And we have, um, you know, one designer who's someone I went to college with in London. And yeah, so the we're, we're a growing team. And you guys are, and and you're generating revenue. Some people are paying, I can't remember whether I'm paying for this tool or not. Like, do people pay you? So not with the Chrome extension. The Chrome extension is completely free, free forever. So our uh, model here is that for, we are building out more specific for education models that are really good because everybody else doing this AI detection space is like almost a load of BS that they're just like, okay, taking these general academic models, copy and pasting, and none of them are meant for education use case. So with those general models, like maybe some folks will charge, but the idea here is like these general AI detection models will be better than all those folks that are copy and pasting from these academic papers not meant for industry, and we'll give it all for free for people to just use in their day-to-day like browsing of like articles, um, which is still to be seen whether the average reader of news cares if news is AI-ridden or human-ridden. I hope people do. And then for education, we have a research team building out actually specific AI detection for education models that we're planning to, um, well, have like a premium, kind of like a freemium. Great. And so, what else is on the horizon? So you've got a you've got the Google Docs uh, yeah. functionality. Anything else you're working on for the rest of the year that you could share? Totally, yeah. I mean, this is kind of exciting because that's that's the first time I shared the Google Docs functionality. Huge, you're breaking news. Tomorrow. That is, I guess, we are breaking news here. Uh, we're doing the same for Word. I mean, we we talked to like almost like a, these guys at Microsoft Word who were pretty excited, almost like they basically came in and helped us code which was mm. unprecedented because they were just and like Microsoft is notable because they're they're partners with GPT they right? are they, with OpenAI big investor mm-hmm. yeah and um, definitely talked to a lot of folks there who are interested um, at Microsoft OpenAI on uh, on us and, uh, and so that's pretty exciting and then we're so we're going to build this on every writing platform we're going to talk to like the the big writing platforms. Can we build out the verification, this provenance for you? And then on the detection side, there's a lot going on in uh, our research for kind of like education uh, models for teachers. And, and if I heard you correctly, you said you basically added another uh, like another dozen. I don't know what you'd use the like sort of variable criteria variables you call them like perplexity burstiness yeah you want to name just a couple other ones just so we like people who are following along have a sense of sure Uh, i mean like i would say like in january it was pretty simple i think our model in january was as good as open ai's detection model in uh march which they also had a classifier it was like piece of text ar or not there's also where doing um, the sentence-by-sentence classification, kind of like, uh, it's like take a microscope, sentence-by-sentence level analysis, and that's we call GPD-0X. It's like this highlighting for each sentence and whether, kind of like whether this document is mixed or not. So that's like totally different from 
perplexing bursting us here. <clears throat> There's also um, where <laughs> we call this like our, sh our shield that we're just like maintaining the list of bypassers and kind of updating that. Uh, there's also, <laughs> we're doing a text check now. So, um, like really common texts, like the Bitcoin papers or the constitution, surprisingly are likely to be detected as AI by a lot of these, you know, research detection models. The reason is because all of these large language models like chat GPT, GPT, whatever, in their training data, they had so many, you know, like, copies of Bitcoin papers, all of these like popular texts. So then they're like, wow, it's so similar to our outputs. We're going to flag those as AI. So we're almost putting, we are putting a layer now. It's like a, like a text, almost like a Google search to see if this piece of text appears already on the internet before 2020. And if, mm. if it's like in the training data of these. So we're also like, okay, if it's in the training of data of these large language models repeatedly, and we saw that the large language model flags it as most likely AI because it appears like thousands of times in the training data, but then we're actually going to switch that. Uh, so that's like almost a double text search uh, as well. Um, it, it would be a grand irony if, um, what's his name from the Bitcoin origins, uh, turns out to be AI. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like he was like an early version of AI. What's his name? I forget his Satoshi name. Nakamoto. Satoshi, yeah. Uh, that would be crazy. That would be fun. I want you to find. I want you to find out. Maybe you are. You're you know, probably too young this, to this be is, <laughs> This is why uh, we were interested. When I was working for uh, during my year at the BBC at the BBC's Info, one of our projects was to find out who this guy was, and I was doing. Mm. Um, yeah, because that you you could do it through text analysis. You'd think, right? Because when I was reading some of the articles about who Satoshi is, yeah. They're trying to compare his writing style to other people's writing style, and apparently, it's way harder than people think it is it's harder than you think and then we were doing the same for uh QAnon as well like i downloaded the entire like 5600 drops or so uh for the year and was like doing the text analysis of who is this guy it was it was like okay we were doing some of these text analysis which you know at least we know they're not ai i think uh <laughs> With some text analysis, but well, that's you, good you never know. know. Maybe one day. I, honestly, I would prefer QAnon to be AI. <laughs> than to be, I don't want to claim that for the human race. I mean, that's um, like of concern too to us. Like um, now, you know, even in 2020, people were underestimating. Like on Facebook, there were bots um, who were like, "Okay." Like we're detecting this as bot accounts or entire bot networks or not. But now you imagine these bots could chat with you like an AI. Like it's 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 bad stuff. It's like why people need to work more on getting the prominence of text on the detection side. Um, the average user doesn't care right now, I would say, using Origin, whether what they're reading is AR or not. But how can we enable and motivate people to actually care? Um and, you know, hopefully there's there's been some studies of like dozens of these news farms using AI. So like to tell people, OK, that that's happening. So maybe kind of read that. There's also I mean, <laughs> like we're, we're thinking about like places where people really care when money's involved. Like we're talking to like these like Bloomberg traders and they're like, OK, like if they're trading off a news article that's wrong because it was written by AI and made up facts, that's critically and costly money's involved. Right. If you're getting scammed, 
you really care because there's like scammers are getting better. Um, yeah. If you're getting catfish, like imagine on like Tinder or something, you're getting catfish by an AI. Like all of these things, just like it's almost dystopian. It's almost like Black Mirror. Like the, the there's there's a lot that can happen, and I think it's about time we start start knowing the difference. Well, on that sunny note. Edward, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is really, really cool. Uh, so people go to, is it called gptzero.com? Like where do people find yeah, it? gpzero.me, M-E. Dot me, um, yeah. Or just search up GP0 on the Chrome store. And that that one's definitely free forever. Our kind of Chrome extension side. And the dot me, you can try it uh, as well too. And if you're a teacher, please go there. We have like feedback. We have like a teacher community of 4,000 teachers we're talking to. Uh, to get initial feedback and join too. And yes, it's pretty awesome. Well, thank you, man. Promising start. Before you even graduated, you started a uh, super influential, important tool. So I, I, I look forward to following your career. You, you seem like a really bright young guy. Well, thank you everybody for listening to Sweat the Technique. Make sure to get out there and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your friends. You know, we don't do advertising right now. We don't bother you with that. So, you know, one thing you could do to pay it forward for us is just get on there and give us a five-star review and say nice things about us. Other than that, we'll be right back next week and uh, hope you have a great rest of your week and share this episode.